You're listening to Hungry Gen Audio Podcast. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus. It's only one message, people. Come on, there's only one message, okay? It's what, brings, it's what breeds the prophetic. It's what breeds miracles. It's, it's one message, okay? Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Whole lot of Mary going on. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And that's obviously John. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. I am thirsty. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, again, and bowing his head, one more time, and bowing his head, he gave up the ghost. He gave up the ghost. Heavenly Father, I ask that you make, help me make sense, because I have none. In Jesus' name, amen. <sighs> okay, when I was nine years old, my mom and dad, when I mowed the lawn and I did my bed, and every once in a while I would have to clean up the bathroom, they would let me go fishing. I like fishing. If I ain't preaching, and if I'm not somewhere doing some sort of stuff, you know, because when you get married, you get honeydews, okay? And to you, as a man, they're not honeydews. It's honeydoo-doos, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying. But the reality is, is we have to understand what I, when you, when you come to understand the power of what God is wanting to do, You've got to understand that God is wanting to work in, by, and through you, okay? But when I was nine years old, when I was nine years old, my mom and dad would let me go fishing. And there was a 990 bridge in Moses. I grew up in Moses Lake, Washington. And Moses Lake is known for their fishing. I used to, I used to catch crappie and bass. Still to this day, if I'm catching bass and crappie, I'm, I'm like in my second heaven, you know? I'm like, I'm enjoying it, you know? I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm caught up. A third heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because second heaven, there's no good there. Third heaven. I'm caught up. But the reality is, is there was a man by the name of Eddie. Okay, now Eddie, this is back in the late 79, 70, 80, 1980. Um, and the thing is, when I would go there, what happened was um, he would be catching fish two at a time. And, you know, he was that guy that was catching fish when nobody was catching fish. And as a 9, 10-year-old, what happens is, you start getting closer to the guy that is catching fish because my inquiring mind wanted to know. And so, therefore, I got closer and closer and befriended Eddie. And then I began to tell Eddie, Eddie, what are you using? And he said, well, I'm using a red and white mini jig. And what I'm doing is I'm tipping it with a maggot. And he would say, what you do is you stick your maggots in between your chicken gums like tobacco because it warms the maggot up. And it makes it squirm a little more. So he would take it, he would put it on, he would put it on his mini jig, and he would catch crappie. He was the he was a crappie catching somebody. <laughs> the reason I say that is because he looked like something out of the Jackson Five. He had an afro about six foot two with suspenders. And then he had for his pick, you know, because everybody had a pick. You remember the afro? They're coming back. Every, everybody, everything is cycling. Everybody's wanting a fro, okay? All you got to do is watch football, and everybody's got these fros when they take off their helmets. It's like, wow. The, real, the, reality, the reality is Eddie, listen, he looked like something out of the Jackson 5, okay? And he would do something. He had, he had two popsicle sticks with scotch tape, and that was his pick. And it was about 12 inches. And he would stick it in his fro. I'm going somewhere. I am going somewhere. And the reality is, every time he caught a crappie, he would take out the stick, because it was 12 inches, and he would measure the crappie. 
And if it was bigger than 12 inches, he would throw the crappie back. If it was 12 inches or less, he would put it in the bucket. Okay, to a nine-year-old, that don't make sense. You're supposed to keep the big ones, throw the little ones back. And so my inquiring mind wanted to know, Pastor Vladimir, I said, Eddie, why are you throwing the big ones back? And he said, because I only own a 12-inch pan. <laughs> no, 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 no. You think I'm talking about Eddie, but I'm talking about the church. The church has got a 12-pan mentality that God is wanting to bless you with a big fish anointing. He's wanting to bless you with all kinds of spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He wants to give you more than just a healing, come on, and, and enough money just to get by. But we have a 12-inch pan mentality. And I tell you that we've got to get rid of our 12-inch pan mentality because God is wanting to extremely embarrass you with blessing. Somebody put your hands together if you believe that God is wanting to bless you. Yeah, he's wanting to bless you. Now, I say all that because I am a believer of distributing and dispensing the power of the Holy Spirit. No different than your pastors here. Okay? I believe that. I believe it with all my heart. I believe 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Okay? It's the dispensing of, 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 of all the gifts of the Spirit. The nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we ought to be salt and we need to be light. I believe that. But before you can come into 1 Corinthians 14, you have to understand 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter. Okay? You have to have a revelation of the love of God and the God that it happens to be love. Because when you have that revelation... What happens is then you can operate in the spirit of that love and begin to distribute and dispense the nine gifts of the spirit. But before you can understand the power of God's love, you have to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is about unity. God is wanting to unify. And he's wanting, why? Because unity in the kingdom is power. In fact, the word power there is dunamis. I'm going to get to that in a minute. Dunamis. And, and if you want to operate in the dunamis, listen, you have, to, you, you have to understand the power of unity. This is why we cannot eat our own. This is why we have to get along. This is we're the only group of species of people on the planet. Hindus don't do it. Muslims don't do it. Listen, we're, Christians are the only ones that tackle their own. Vladimir is going to get the ball. But there's another pastor that's on the line. He's supposed to be blocking for Vladimir because the main objective is to get a touchdown. But he don't want Vladimir to get a touchdown. It's ludicrous. So instead of other people tackling Vladimir, he turns around. Instead of blocking, he tackles Vladimir. You wouldn't be on a football team very long if you did that. But we do that in Christianity, and it needs to stop. Yeah. So we, it, it has to come. But before, listen, before we get into unity, you have to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is about communion. It's in common unity with God. You can never come into common unity with your fellows until you come into common unity with God. This is the vertical. This is the cross we bear. If you don't get this, if you don't understand, you must through the same Holy Ghost, you have access to the Holy Spirit. You come before him. Listen, Jacob's ladder wasn't just Jacob's ladder, people. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 52 tells us that Jacob's ladder was Jesus. Jesus, listen, come on, provided there was a gap. You want to know what the spirit of the prophetic is? The spirit of the prophetic is a spirit of hope. It, what, what it does, it, 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 it is the bridge between your faith and, come on, your love, your, your finish. 
Between your start and your finish, there has to be a prophetic anointing that links and bridges come on through the spirit of affirmation and hope what you have believed and what you have received, come on, and what you have decreed till you see the finished work happen. There has to be a word. And this is why it's so important that we understand this. Before, you know, we got to minister to him, in turn, you got power now to minister to his people. True intercession isn't just praying. True intercession is only given to those who have, have an understanding that they have ministered to the Lord, okay? And God, listen, and God in turn pours his seed on the inside of you. That's his word. So when you pray and you minister to the Lord, he gives you his seed. Come on. And that seed isn't just for you. It is for his people. So in unison, come on, in unison, we begin to walk. Come on, uh, 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 with a big heart. And we begin to walk in unison and demonstrate the dunamis power of God. But before you can do that, you have to come to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, which is which is the chapter on order. You have, and I sweat, okay, that's just, that's what I do. Because I do nothing soft. So order and alignment. So anytime that you yield yourself to the God of order, he aligns you up to position you. He positions you, come on, he puts you in position to change your condition that <laughs> and so what happens is he gets you in a position where you can commune with the living God in turn give you unity where there's dunamis that'll bring you into the greater dimensions my God of understanding his love so that when you come on when the love of God compels you I'm telling you when the love of God compels you you can't help but to Pour out this God that is inside of you. So let's talk about dunamis really quick. Dunamis number one. Don't take notes. Dunamis number one. Listen, dunamis doesn't just, isn't just miracle power. Dunamis helps you morally. What are you saying? I'm telling you that when you operate in the Holy Ghost and power, after that the Holy Ghost comes, you will receive dunamis, power. What happens is that power causes you to live right. Yep. I didn't get no amen. That's okay. I don't, I don't need one. That's okay. I've been doing this 28 years. I'm fine. But it helps you morally to live right. Grace and truth. Are connected they're together not grace and law it's grace and truth they're together grace teaches you nobody none of the grace preachers are saying this grace teaches you according to Titus it teaches you to resist worldly lust come on it causes you to resist worldly lust and the spirit of ungodliness so when you operate in the spirit of grace, come on through the power of the Holy Spirit, it causes you to live right. Number two, it causes you to have movement power. Movement power. There are some things in my life and in on, my, on, my, on my measure of my anointing and my gifting that are going to have to get out of my way. Other things, I have to decree a thing so, and watch it be established so that it can come in my life. And listen, you have to speak to your mountain. Don't allow your pastor to speak to your mountain. Why? Because your mountain knows your voice. I'm telling you, your mountain knows your voice. And this is why you have to understand the power of a decree. Oh, when you decide what you want, the Bible says, it'll happen. And when you begin to decide, I'm telling you, when you begin to decide what you want, a decree. Decree, by the way, here's a teacher in me, the decree, a decree is the highest form of prayer. If you're still asking God, please, God, no, 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 no. What happens is when you understand 
that when you worship, okay, there's no greater thing than your worship. I've been called to preach. No, no, no. First of all, before you were called, the only reason you're called to preach is because Adam screwed up. If Adam would have never screwed up, there would be no need for preachers. Okay? So, yeah, you're called to preach. But before you're called to preach, your creation is greater than your calling. We were all created to worship. Yeah. Don't ever let the enemy steal you of your worship. Don't ever let the enemy steal you of your, thank you so much, of your worship. Why? Because the word worship in the Hebrew means to bow, means to kneel. The root word to that means to create. Ah. So say it a different way, Pastor Joey. Since you ask, I'm going to do that. Okay? <laughs> so, so this is what's going to happen. When you worship, and you worship the God, listen, this is why God has many names. Because there's sometimes I need, a, I need him as healer. So I tell him who he is in my worship. Why? Because when I worship the healer and tell him God, listen, it's not that I pray, God, I need a healing. You need to do something. No, 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 no. What happens is the greater mature way to do something is you stand in your creation and you worship the God who created all things and you say, God, I'm going to begin to worship you and I need a healing and I know you're a healer and I say, Lord, you're my healer. You're everybody's healer and God, you're a healer. What happens is he can't help himself but to begin to lose creation and he begins to stir in creation what you are praying to him for so when you pray and worship him as creator he can't help but to create if you need him as a blesser you say God you're the blesser you're the one who blesses all men and all everywhere and you begin to bless God he creates blessing when you need deliverance you worship him as a deliverer Okay, that's another sermon, another hour. Okay? I just thought I'd throw that in for free. So you've got to understand dunamis, you have moral power, you have movement power. And then the third one is you got money power. Three people got that. Hallelujah. You know what I gotta say to that? Money, money, money. Everybody's afraid of money in church, except for the Muslims. Uh, they're not afraid. They're building $100 million mosques debt-free. Oh, by the way, Hindus are building their temples $50 million debt-free. Mormons, hey, everybody, they're building temples debt-free in the best locations possible. The only people that got better locations is Walmart. They understand the kingdom. While the church wants to escape and get out of here any minute, come on, somebody. We've got to have a people that understand dunamis, that I can live right, that I can say to a mountain, be thou removed, cast into the sea, and down not in my heart, but believe that which I say will come to pass. And then I got money, money, money power. I got money that comes to me because I worship the God who owns all the cattle of a thousand hills and so I begin in my creation to begin to move God ha oh, we move God in my creation that I worship my way to the place that I need regardless of what place I grew up on I can worship this king of kings and lord of lords and he will bring it to pass because he's the God come on that causes me to have moral purpose to have movement power and to have money 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 power anybody in this place come on need some money okay it gets it gets gooder and gooder as my dad would say he gets gooder bless his Mexican little heart so you got moral power, you got movement power, you got money power. Now you have multiplication power, all in this word dunamis. It's multiplication power. 
What you got? Thank you, man. There's some little kids got there. Hallelujah. The anointing's on you, sir. Yeah, take it. Just receive it. Hallelujah. What happens is multiplication. You don't realize what you have in your hand is enough. You just need a dose of dunamis. Because when you began to worship God in your creation and you began to worship him as the God of multiplication, I'm telling you it's the spirit of dominion. The first time the word dominion is used is in Genesis 126 when he blessed Adam and Eve. The blessing, dominion is the blessing. Something that is said, something that is spoken. So therefore, when you understand that God is able to take what's in your hand and bring multiplication to it, you have what it takes to do what God's called you to do. Jesus has a will to feed 5,000 men and who knows, scholars say about 30,000 people. But there's only two fish and five loaves. Jesus took the bread, Jesus, and he blessed it. He didn't say, a blessing isn't, you know, that little thing that we say before we pray, Lord, we ask that you bless this. No, 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 no. A blessing is the spirit of dominion. And it causes multiplication that though it is something and created, come on, as that something, Jesus has the power to go into that something and change the information on it and say it's not just two fish and five loaves, but this is, come on, the spirit of multiplication through the spirit of dunamis power and when you got dunamis power baby you can live right you have movement power you got money 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 and then you got man you have the ability Jesus help me to bring multiplication to your situation so if you're not seeing it you've got to open up your mouth and say something everything in the kingdom of God is voice activated Everything in the kingdom of God is voice activated. So therefore, if you don't say nothing, you're going to get nothing. So you better speak it. You better sing it. You better shout it. You better declare it. You better decree it. You better prophesy it. Who am I talking to in this place? You've got to get enough audacity on the inside of you that said, my God, I'm not going to get, listen, I'm not missing out. That's dunamis. Yeah. And the last one's miracle power. Jesus, 80% of Jesus' miracles were dealt with a healing. Okay? So, so if you tell me I can't do it, then you don't understand who you are. Sin. To miss the mark. To miss the mark. Karagma. Greek which we get our English word character. So you miss the character of God because you don't know who you are. Anytime you don't know who you are, you do dumb things. You fall short. Holy Ghost came to make you righteous. Hallelujah. He made you righteous. I said he made you righteous. I said he made you righteous. He made you righteous. Come on. The blood of Jesus Christ is still as powerful as it was 2,000 years ago. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. It's the blood, man. And it's not just the blood, because the Old Testament principle, and I got to go, I know that. The Old Testament principle is they ate the whole lamb. 
Apply the blood upon the doorposts. Okay? Lentils. Isn't it amazing? Jesus was crucified like this. Doorposts. Jesus was his door. A door in order for... Jesus is the door of righteousness. Psalms 118. But if he's the door of righteousness, then every door has to be hung right in order for it to open and close. So Jesus was hung right at the cross. He became, he became the gate of righteousness that led you to peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Are you kidding me? You mean I'm right. You mean I have access to that? Yeah, baby. You got access as a son of God. You can stand up in your righteousness because the Holy Ghost, listen, is empowering you to become righteous. Jesus, come on, he was hung right and the door swung open so that you can get to his peace that surpasses all understanding. It guards your heart and your mind. That means I used to be crazy, but now I'm not crazy because the Holy Ghost has come all over me. And there's something about it. I can't stand it. But I know something is true. That the Holy Ghost is in me. I can live right. I can have movement power. I got money power. I got multiplication power. And baby, watch out. I'm a miracle ready to happen. Put your hands together, somebody, in this place. Okay, I'm almost done. Okay, which for charismatics means absolutely nothing if it's your first time. <laughs> Did you get that? Yes. Okay, that's the principle. Now, anything that comes on the head, here I come. Anything that's on the head. Oh, yeah, by the way, did I tell you the, the title of my sermon? <laughs> it's the power of the corporate Christ. Now, see, the anointing in my life. It's not more powerful than the anointing in all of our lives together. We've made it all about me, myself, and I. I can only lay hands on so many people. I can only prophesy to so many people. But if you ever get a hold of what's on you and you do your part, I'm telling you, we become the light of the world and we become the salt of the earth and nothing, listen, and nothing will be able to hold us back. Yeah, but I, I'm not, I can't do that. I said, no, no, you can do all things through Christ, which strengthens you. Come on. It is him who is channeled through you. It is the holiest dunamis. That sounds so cool, man. It's like Darth Vader saying dunamis. Dunamis. So anything that is head, or anything that's on the head comes on the body. Duh. This is what's so important here. I know too many people that are not plugged into a church. Okay? I'm not, listen, I just hear me, look. Listen, this is the importance of it. The last time I checked, Jesus' head was attached to his body. The last time I checked. Eve, they'll crucify him, but the last time, they didn't behead him. The last time I checked, his head was attached to his body. So if you say to me, I'm in love with Jesus, but I can't stand his body, that's why I don't go to church, that's a different Jesus. Because Jesus' head is attached to his body. Oh, and by the way, since I'm on it, you're never going to get, you will never, you will be up all night and never get lucky if you're married. If you tell your wife, whoo, you got a beautiful face, but your body, mm, mm, hallelujah. Mm, mm. You will never get lucky if you tell your wife that. Smile, that was funny. And so we do that over and over and over in the church. God, you are awesome. But your body, uh, mm, mm. Okay, let me move off of that. But what's on the head is some on the body. Okay, let me show you this. 
Unity brings dunamis. In the kingdom, anywhere people are unified, it brings power. Okay? Here we go. Stay with me. So I'm going to go quick. Where's the piano guy? No, no, not right now. I'm just, but come right here. Sit by my wife. Just don't touch her. I'll show you the power of the corporate Christ. <laughs> I'm kidding, man. You good? Tampoco loco esta mi carne cuyo que la pasita de bolso. For you Russians, that was good Spanish. Tongues for you. In Acts chapter two, when they came together, when the body came together. Here's, here it is. Jesus is the head. We are the body. That's, Rome, that's, that's 1 Corinthians 12. Jesus the head. We're the body. Wherever the body is, the head shows up in strength and power. So he says, wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with dunamis. Moral power. Movement power. Money, money, money power. Multiplication power, miracle power. So they waited, and they waited, and they waited. But it's true, wherever the body is, he waits for unity, the head comes. And then like a mighty rushing wind, the head came and sat on the body, and power was released. Hey, whoa, 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 another, another one. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're thrown in a fiery furnace. Hear me, hear me, hear me. They're thrown in a fiery furnace. They said, we will not bow. They didn't say, I'm not going to bow. They said, hey, even if our God is not able, we will not bow. It was a corporate unity. We're not going to do it. We refuse to bow to that golden grave image. Because we have a God that is awesome. So put us in that fiery furnace if you want to. I ref we refuse to bow. So they put him in. And they put him in the fiery furnace. What's on the body? Come on, what's on the head? Or I should say when the body comes together, the head comes on it. So they're put in a fiery furnace. The reason why the fire don't burn them is because the fire on the inside of them was greater than the fire outside of them. And they began to go into that fiery furnace and they began to worship the God, come on, of deliverance. And as they began to worship the God of deliverance, the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar looked in and said, hey, didn't we throw three Hebrew children in there? Why is it I see the fourth man and the image of the son of God? I'm telling you it's because wherever there's unity, Jesus Christ will come as the head of that church and become the dunamis to whatever you need. Oh, 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 one more example. I'm almost done, really. I get three closing stops. That was my first, right? But not. You got Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas. Now, forgive me, because I always take on the character when I read the Bible. I take on the character. Not sometimes a Paul. Everyone wants to be Paul. Paul, by the way, is ticked off. He's ticked. Mad. Nojado. Muy. Nojado. Okay? And the reality is, he's mad at the spirit of divination. And so he takes it upon himself from his frustration. We need to learn something here. Look. He got in trouble because he should have probably left that girl alone. But it was all a setup. God frustrated him. I believe God frustrated Paul on purpose. And it was like the last day of great revivals. And finally he just said, you know what? The spirit of divination, come out, loose her and let her go. Oh, he thought everything going to be great. The only problem is he's with Silas. See, I take on Silas as a character. I'm thinking, you know, here, Paul, we're in prison. And listen, you got to understand their prison. There was three layers to their prison. 
The, the top layer, the top layer was if you didn't do very much, but you got, it's kind of get your hand slapped. The second one, eh, you were, you were pretty bad, but you weren't a killer or nothing. You were just like, mm. but if you got to the bottom, nombre, you were bad. Tabas malito, mijo. Me fregao. Okay? You were just, you were horrible. No, no, no. The problem is, the, pro- the problem is, their sewage system ran down. Oh, don't act so dignified. Like, oh, really? No, no, no. Everybody's poo-poo stinks. It's going down. All the stuff, the muck, the mire, the sewage is on the bottom. Can you imagine now? Paul, all he did was cast the devil out. Silas is in there because he's with Paul. <laughs> and so now they're in the midst of this filth. And they're all, and, 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 and Paul now gets a good idea. Hey, let's sing a duet, Silas. Are you kidding me? It stinks in here. This is, I'm sorry, this is my sermon. Okay, leave it alone. It's my sermon. I take on Silas. I would have punched Paul in the throat. I'm just saying. But thank God Silas wasn't like me. Silas was a submissive disciple. That in the midst of the mire and the muck, that he said, yes, sir. I don't know. I don't know what they were singing. Break every chain. There is power in the name. I don't know. All I know is, when both of them began to sing, they formed the body of Christ. And the dunamis power of the headship of Jesus came on that situation. And could, come on, it, it produced such an earthquake that caused shackles and chains to be broken. I'm telling you that anywhere the spirit of unity is, there will be power. There will be dunamis. Okay, I said all that to say, now I'm going really fast. Here I is. I set you all up. Because, can you put up Psalms now? 37, here it is. Psalms 37 says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Okay? Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Wait a minute. Who's going to bring it to pass? So as long as you're delighting yourself in the Lord. Come on, did you get that? You're, You're responsible for one thing. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desire of your heart. And, and then it says, commit your way to the Lord. Come on, and he will bring it to pass. You don't have to worry about it. I'm going to delight myself in the Lord. I'm going to commit my way to him, and he will bring it to pass. That's what the word says. Okay, so here it goes. Because now I want to talk to you. There's my note. There's my note. Andale, chihuahua. <laughs> I have movement power. Check this out. Give me three case studies, and I'm done. Genesis 2.21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. The word sleep there in the Hebrew means God killed him. Doesn't mean he went, no, God killed him. Okay, I got to say a little something about this. The reason why is because Adam delighted himself in the Lord. You can keep that up there. He delighted himself in the Lord. He committed his ways to the Lord. Who's going to bring it to pass? God is. Okay, so if God's going to get it to pass, listen, he put a desire within Adam. Then he said, Adam, go name all of the animals. And they came two by two, male and female. I wish, how can I say this to be politically correct? Okay, if animals get it, humans should be able to get it. They came male and female. Smile. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty bold. But God's intention for marriage. Husband, wife. That's marriage. The world can say whatever they want. Listen, but according to, the, according to God, marriage is that. Am I safe? 
Yeah, you believe the same thing. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Okay, I'm cool. Okay. So Adam there is standing, and he's seeing male and female. Lion. Woo, lions come. I'm going to name them lion. Yeah, God said, that's probably what I would have named them too. Okay. Elephants come. You know what that means. Okay. Yeah. He's like, woo. What that means, it means it has a big butt. Elephant. Woo, too much. But, you know, he's like by himself. They're coming male and female. He's male all by himself. He, he, he's got a desire. He's got a desire. He's looking to see maybe if he can find his desire. It's my sermon. Leave it alone. And so, hey, he coming. Elephant. Mm, grandota. Hippopotamus. Ah, getting closer. <laughs> okay? Getting closer. By the time the orangutan came, it's like getting really close, God. Too much cabello, too much mustache and a beard. And so what happens is he did not find his desire outside of him. So God had to put him to sleep, say it a different way. So God had to kill him because the desire was inside of him. Are you getting that? So sometimes what God has to do is he has to put to sleep because the desire is inside of you and the only way to get it out if it's he puts you to sleep. I always, I, always, I always harass everybody. I always, on Facebook, I tell, this is my prime rib. She's my prime rib. 25 years. Hallelujah. Okay, number two. Here we go. Number two, Genesis 15. Now, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. Why? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Abram had a promise that God was going to take him to a land that flowed with milk and honey. And all he had, listen, he had a promise. The gospel was preached to Abraham, Hi, how I know that? Oh, yeah, Abraham. Abraham is the beginning of the lineage of the seed of, of, of Israel. And the Bible says in Hebrews that the same gospel that was preached to them was preached unto us. So the gospel was preached to Abraham when Melchizedek came with bread and wine. That was the gospel. Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him unto righteousness. So therefore, listen, God said, I need you to go ahead and take these five animals Okay, take a couple of birds and some, take, take a three-year-old goat, three-year-old heifer, you know the whole story, split them in half. And then he says, uh, I'm going to go ahead and put you to sleep. Why? Because the desire that you want is a covenant or a testament. Okay, let me, let me say this really quick. There's a difference between a covenant and a testament. Okay, if you read your Bible, when you open to the New Testament, it doesn't say New Covenant. It says New Testament. If you go to the beginning of it, it doesn't say Old Covenant. It says Old Testament. In 1631, there was some Jewish priests when Martin Luther began to interpret or began to um, 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 inscribe from, um, from the original uh, Greek into German and to Latin. He used the words in the Hebrew. About 300 times where we see covenant is used, Martin Luther would put testament there because that's what the original Hebrew would say. But in 1631, there was some Jewish priests that didn't like that. So they began to switch everything to covenant instead of testament. So now we become so covenant theology instead of testament theology. Don't leave. I'm, I've done my study. I'm a scholar on that stuff. The thing is, is what happens is a covenant is a contract between two or more parties. If you do this and I do this, this is what will happen. If, we do, if you don't keep your end of the bargain, you're going to be cursed. If I don't keep my end of the bargain, I'm going to be cursed. That's a covenant. A testament is a will, an inheritance that you get when somebody dies. Did you get that? God, listen, God gave 
not a covenant to Abram. He gave a testament to Abraham because he believed in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, even though it was years before it would happen. When Melchizedek gave him bread and wine, it was significant of the gospel. He believed the gospel. God credited that belief to righteousness and says, I'm going to give you an inheritance. Now I'm going to be your reward. I'm going to be your money supply. I'm going to be your protector. I'll be your nourisher. I'll be your sustainer. I'll be your healer. I'll be everything you need. Why? Because you believe the gospel. So then there was a people that did not believe. 430 years will come, and he tells Abram that. There's going to be a generation that's not going to believe what? They're not going to believe the gospel. How I know that is Hebrews says the same gospel that is preached unto us was preached unto the children of Israel, but they did not believe. But because he had a testament with Abram, he had to make a covenant with Israel. Jesus, Are you getting this? So that's what the Ten Commandments are. If you do this, you'll be blessed. If you don't do this, you're going to be cursed. God never intended his children to live under a covenant. He intended his children to live under a testament. That if you believe the gospel, you get the inheritance, you get the will, you get, God, Jesus, you get everything that he says you can have. So Abram has to be put to sleep. So that God can come down and fulfill the covenant by himself for himself. Abraham, you can't screw this up. Because the new covenant is really the Abrahamic covenant. But you're not going to have anything to do with it. Because I'm coming down like a smoking furnace and like a burning torch. And I'm going to put you to death. But I'm going to come through those things. And it's going to be a sign and a seal of the cross. Because Jesus was all of those animals. And I don't got time to preach it. But he walks in between. It was the cross of the Old Testament. And God begins to walk and says, I'm going to fulfill this. I'm making a covenant by my myself for myself that nobody can screw it up and for those who understand they're in Christ I'm telling you all things are passed away and behold all things become new and you become powerful in the kingdom of God when you understand that so Abraham got the testament Adam got the woman God killed Adam got the woman God killed Abraham Got the testament. In 2 Samuel, I'm, I'm really, I'm almost done. 1 Samuel 26, 12, a deep sleep fell upon Saul and his army. And David took the spear and the cruise of water. There's a shifting of authority. It's no longer on Saul, King Saul. God has given it to David. David's opportunity now. David's opportunity. David, God has put Saul and his army in a deep sleep. And Abishai comes up. Abishai was a bad dude. Every pastor needs an Abishai. He said, Pastor David, I only smack him one time. I think he was the godfather. I think he spoke like this. And what I come to come to the conclusion is David said to Abishai, no, don't touch God's anointing. He had the revelation at that moment that God had put him in a deep sleep. What the word is, same word, God killed him. I don't need to kill him because God killed him. So I already know I'm going to take his cruise of water. I'm going to take the spear he threw at me three times and miss, by the way, and that was a miracle because Benjamites didn't miss. They could split a hair in half with their left hand. And yet, but when your name means love, love never fails. 
Are you getting this? So if your name is love and death wants to kill you, death can't have you because love is, Jesus, you don't understand. But the thing is, is well, my name's Amy. My name's Steve. I got news for you. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Your name, come on, Jesus is the son of God, which is the love of God personified. And if you, listen, if you, 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 you've got to understand there's love on the inside of you. So I say all this to say this, okay? Because it says right here in, 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 in um, where do I want to go? Matthew 8, 20. Foxes have holes, birds of the airs have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Again, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of God has nowhere to lay his head. We preach that, I have heard it, preachers preach it. Oh, it's not that Jesus just was poor and he didn't have nowhere to lay his head. Baloney, Okay. We had kings coming, laying gold and frankincense and myrrh. That was costly. He had enough money to sustain his whole ministry at the time of his birth. Hallelujah. Why? Because he had the ability to live right. Because the spirit of grace and truth, he was that. And it was in him. So he can live morally right. He had movement power. He would say to one, go, one, and boom, he can move things out of his wife. He had, he had money power. He had movement, multiplication power. Miracle power. Foxes have holes. Birds of the ears have nests. Listen, birds don't live in nests. They reproduce in nests. Foxes don't live in holes. They reproduce in holes. Jesus was saying, foxes have holes. Birds of the air has nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I don't have a body, a woman that I can rest my head on. Because the first chapter of John chapter 19, remember when I said it was finished? It says, and bowing his head. The word bowing and the word laying, where foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay. And the word bowing, it's the same Greek word. So for the first time in human history, Jesus has the ability to lay his head on the body. This is why when he told John, John, Behold your mother. Mama, behold your son. We think, what was going on? I'm telling you what was going on. Every man has to leave his father and his mother at marriage time to cleave to his spouse. And he was saying, Mama, listen. Mama, I love you. But I looked at the seraph, I looked at the pharisaical system, and she was a beauty. But inside she was full of dead man's bones. I looked at the Sadducitical system, and as pretty as she looked, oh, she was not for me. I looked at the worldly system, it had so much to offer. But it did not provide what I needed. So I have kept true in delighting myself in the Lord. I have committed my way unto my God. And now for the first time in human history, he's going to go ahead and put me in a deep sleep. Just like Adam. Just like Abram. Just like Saul. He's going to give me and put me in a deep sleep. Because when you don't see on the outside uh, the desire that God has for you it's sometimes it's on the inside uh, and when it's on the inside the only way it can come out is if God puts you to sleep and so for the first time in human history Jesus had a place to lay his head at the cross the cross was the breeding place 
where he said, I do to his spouse when the centurion soldier pierced him on the right side. Oh, it was no different ever. He had gone to sleep and was dead. He pierced him on the right side. And the Bible says, and blood and water came out. It was the birthing of the infantile state of the church. The church that would be glorified. A church that would be full of power. A church that would have moral power. A church that would have movement power. A church that would have money, money, money power. And a church, my God, that would have multiplication power. A church that would have miracle power. That is the church of the living God. A church, my God. This is why when Jesus died, he got the woman. When Jesus died, he gave that woman the testament. Uh, And she gave just like David got the throne. He go ahead and said, I'm going to give you the throne, baby. And I'm telling you, we're living in a day where he's given us his name. He's given us his character. He's given us his grace. He's given us his mercy. He's given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. And for you to sit and live, come on, one ounce away from God's best for you. We live so condemned. You know what the word condemnation The word condemnation is a construction term. It means uninhabitable. That every time you're condemned, what you're saying is, God, I'm not good enough for you to live in here. That's the problem of the church. Why it doesn't operate in power? It's because it's stuck between grace and law. Grace and law. He loves me. He loves me not. He lo- and based on your performance that week, as whether or not you perform for the Holy Ghost. And I'm telling you, it's not if he loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. There's nothing you can do any more or any less. God loves you. What you have to understand is that you have a Holy Spirit and He teaches you all things. He teaches you how to live right. He teaches and convicts you of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Do you understand that? It's not. Go to the last scripture and I'm done. We'll go prophesy. I'm ready. Get ready. Get the last scripture up in Luke chapter. Um, no, no, no. In Luke chapter 14. And behold, there was a certain man before him who had dropsy. That's all you need to know, dropsy. Say dropsy. Dropsy was a disease in Palestine that was in Palestine that was created. I know I'm sweating. I just, I sweat for Jesus. I believe in preaching should be a workout. Getting my 10,000 steps in. So I got a Fitbit. Dropsy was a disease in Palestine that was created when you mingled a a prickly seed with a mustard seed. Prickly seed and a mustard seed. When you mixed them together and you ate it, what had happened is it was a disease called dropsy. Dropsy was you had the ability to drink water. You had water coming in you, but you had no ability to dispense water. So you would bloat and get big until your major functions and organs of your body shut down. So you had an inflow but no outflow. Okay, this will make sense here in a minute. The word word Sinai, where the law was written, Sinai means prickly. Jesus said, unless you have faith as a mustard seed. See, faith and grace go together. You can't have grace without faith. You can't get saved unless you have faith and grace. They go together. So mustard seed deals with faith and grace. So check this out. When you mingle law and grace, you create drop seed, which means you come every Sunday. I'm not talking to you. Maybe down No, no, not that way. Church down the road that way. Okay. They come every Sunday, every Wednesday. We give you the water of the word. Okay. And you get, you you have inflow. But because you mingle law and grace, you have no outflow. 
And so determining on the week or the month, did I do good? Did I fast good? Did I read my Bible? Listen, all of that are necessities. But, but if I have to say 102 times to my wife, hey, I love you. I love you. I love you. Hey, I love you. Hey, I love you. Oh, 10 minutes. Hey, I love you. And I got it timed. It beeps on my Fitbit. Hey, t- I love you. I love you. See, so oftentimes our relationship with God is like that. It's okay if you start that way to discipline yourself. But afterwards, it's not about your performance. It's about relationship with Jesus, the living Christ. And understanding the power of the cross. The power of the cross. Come here, Martin. You're my high priest. You're my high priest. Stand right there. Come here, you two. Right here. Nasser. In the Old Testament, you were once a year supposed to bring a spotless lamb. Okay? A lamb. You're a spotless lamb. No, that sounded like a goat. Uh, man. There you go. A little better. Okay? Check this out. Martin brought a spotless lamb to the high priest. Come on, bring your spotless lamb to the high priest. This is the greatest revelation you'll ever know. Hopefully it'll stop you from being condemned. In the Old Testament, Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the high priest never examined the man. He examined the lamb. In the Old Testament, the high priest never examined the man. He examined the lamb. Thank you guys very much. In the New Testament, God the Father never examines the man. He always examines the lamb. Jesus is the lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Every time he'll look at the, he'll look at the lamb of God and said all of sin was purchased and put on Jesus. So he looks, come on, through the eyes of Christ. This is why we can live right I have power. I have dunamis. Not because some law I'm scared. It's because I have a relationship. I don't cheat on my wife because I love her. I love her. And because I love her and she loves me back, it takes my want away to be with another woman. She completely satisfies me. Everything. And we grow old together. I like everything about her. Everything. Every little wrinkle. I like everything. I have to tell her that. I love you. We complete each other. Stan. I came here today. Listen, we're going to be powerful. There's got to be unity in the body. Why? Because Duna's power has to come. I hope today, I don't know who's struggling. You might be here, and for the first time, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If that's you, I would get up right now and say, what do I need to do to be saved? If that's you, if that's you and you need Jesus, I'm not going to, you know, close your eyes. I'm not do that. If you're going to be bold, listen for the world. Be bold for Jesus. That's what I was. I lived for the world. I did some really bad things too. But man, I'm telling you, I'm doing a whole lot of great things the last 28 years. Going around the world. Watching blind eyes open. Watching the lame walking. Casting out devils. Healing the sick. Come on, watching people. Prophesying to people. And watching good things happen. Because a greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I don't know what you came for, but we are a people in Pasco, Washington that are going to turn Tri-Cities upside down. And we can't do it condemned. We can't do it condemned. we got to do it understanding that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Okay, if that's you, listen. If that's you, boldly stand up on your feet. If you do not know Jesus right now, this is the greatest miracle. First, come. Stand on your feet if that's you. One, two, three. Okay, cool. Second of all, I figured everybody's saved. If you do not have the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in another tongue today, I'm telling you, it is the greatest gift God ever gave to humanity. 
like, man, I don't know if I want it. Man, I'm telling you, if God gave you, to even belittle the Holy Spirit to $100 million, I'm telling you, if somebody wanted to give you $100 million, that's what he wanted to do, to just, hey, when you get the Holy Ghost, you get that. And you say, I don't, I don't know if I want it. See how ludicrous it is? He gave that to you so that you can operate in corporate anointing. Without it, you cannot do the five things that I listed. That's why people struggle morally. They try to do it with positive thinking. It'll take you so far. Baby, I tell people in counseling, fast, fast. If you're struggling with pornography, I could cast the devil out, okay? I can't. Some devils have to be starved out. Because, hold on, because the greatest appetite you have is not sexual. Ooh, really? No, compadre. The biggest, no, 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 no. Go on a 21-day fast. The last thing you're thinking about is, oh, lady, what you're thinking about is a juicy hamburger from five guys and some french fries with a large coke that's what you're thinking the greatest appetite that we have as humans is hunger appetite so i say if you can put your hunger into subjection you can put sexual things under subjection go on a seven day fast go on a 20 well what if 21 don't do it Go on a 40. What if 40 don't do it? Go on a 60. I would do it until that thing totally radically leaves my body. There are some devils. I refuse to cast devils out of people unless the Holy Ghost tells me to. I tell them, starve it out. It's too easy for me to cast it out. And then you're not going to change. And then you know what? You're worse off, better with your other, your last demon than you are with the present. Starve it out. Hunger. Just smile at me because I feel like you guys are mad. That's anything. This is why we got to live in America like we're living in a, in a developing country. We have to learn to fast. Fast one day a week. Half a day. Half a day. Half a day, man. That means if you slept until noon, you did it. Which half of you probably do. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Hungry Generation. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat by using at HungryGen. Stay blessed, and we'll see you next week.